Our scripture reading today is from Hebrews 13. Let love of the brethren continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for by some have entertained angels without knowing it. Remember the prisoners, as though in prison with them, and those that are ill-treated, since you yourselves also are in the body. Marriage is to be held in the honor among all, and the marriage bed is to be undefiled. For fornicators and adulterers, God will judge. Make sure that your character is free from the love of money, being content with what you have. For he himself has said, I will never desert you, nor will I ever forsake you, so that we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What will man do to me? Remember those who led you, who spoke the word of God to you, and considering the results of their conduct, intimate in their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Do not be carried away by varied and strange teachings, for it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace, not by foods, through which those who are so occupied were not benefited. We have an altar for which those who serve the tabernacle have no right to eat. For the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought to the holy place by the high priest as an offering for sin are burned outside the camp. Therefore, Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people through his own blood, suffered outside the gate. So let us go to him outside the camp, bearing his reproach. For here we do not have a lasting city, but we are seeking the city which is to come. Through him, then, let's continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God, that is, the fruit of the lips that give thanks to his name. And do not neglect doing good and sharing, for with such sacrifices, God is pleased. Amen. Amen. Well, welcome to Mosaic. Again, 1230 service. So glad to have you with us. If you're new here today, my name is Nathan Brown. I'm one of the associate pastors, and it's my honor and privilege to be able to share God's word with you today. Uh, happy Thanksgiving to you. I hope everybody had a good one. Who had a good Thanksgiving this, this past week? All right. Get enough to eat. Y'all stayed in your food coma, slept a little bit early this morning. Now here you are. It's good, it's good to see you. Um, you know, here's the thing. If you woke up today, if you came here to this building, if you're breathing our wonderfully, perfectly conditioned air, you have a lot to be thankful for. Amen. God woke you up today. That means you still have a reason to live, and we're grateful to God for that. And what you have come to is the last message in a series called Making a Mosaic. In the last two weeks, Pastor Morgan has talked to us about our core values of mission and community. And today I'm going to close out the series discussing our core value of worship. Now, you may have heard some of this before, especially if you've been through our foundations class. You've heard me talk at length about worship. We've talked about the fact that worship is more than worship, in a sense. And what we mean by that is that worship really, I think, is a culmination of thanksgiving. It leads you to praise, which takes you to a place of adoration. And then it should, as we talk about in our class six, provoke you to action. And uh, in short, I just want to say today, I don't think that it's possible... <clears throat> Say, I don't think it's possible to have a heart of worship without first having a heart of thankfulness. So I'm thankful that it's Thanksgiving weekend. Hopefully you've all been putting into practice what we like to preach on our Facebook pages around Thanksgiving about be thankful always. How many know it's easier to preach that than it is to practice? But hopefully we all have been the last few days thinking about all the things that we're thankful for. You bring that heart of gratitude into this place today. It'll help you as we explore worship. And we're going to take a look at worship in three different categories. We're going to look at first break-in worship. We're going to look at breakthrough worship. 
And then we'll close number three with breakout worship. Now, the main portion of our text that we're going to get into today actually was the last two verses that we read. I'm going to read them to you again. We can throw them back up there for you. It says this, through him then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of lips to give thanks to his name and do not neglect, uh, excuse me, do not neglect doing good and sharing for with such sacrifices, God is pleased. So break in worship. What do I mean by break in worship? Have you ever had to break in to something? Before you raise your hand, we do have an officer here, so be careful what you admit to. You know, sometimes people break into places they don't belong, but sometimes you have to break into a place that you do belong. I'm the only person as a kid that was supposed to go home after school and let yourself in, but you forgot your keys on the bus, and so now you're trying to break into your own house, a place you belong to. I'm glad to know I'm not the only one. Maybe it's the first week of school, and you go and open your locker, and you forgot the combination and now the clock's ticking they're hitting that buzzer that like gives you anxiety because you're about to be late to class and you can't get the locker open they're trying to break it open or maybe this friday you were in such a hurry to get the great deal on the new 55 inch that you left your keys in your car and when you went back out it's just you and your 55 inch and nowhere to put it because your keys are locked inside of the car and you can't get in so now you're trying to break into a place that you belong see i think sometimes the reason that we're forced to break into a place we belong It's because we forgot what we needed to get in to that place. Who's with me? So you forget your keys to school, you're going to break into your house. Forget your combination of the locker, you better break into that locker. You lock your keys in the car, better call AAA. Man, somebody's got to break you in because you forgot what you needed. But here's the thing, and as this relates to worship, I think sometimes it's hard for us to get into a good place of worship because we forgot exactly what Jesus did to get us into that place. So we get distracted by things way too easily. We get distracted by our phones, our cars, our trucks, and our homes. Should be a country music song right there. We get distracted chasing dreams, having fun, making a little money, sports, even family, and none of those are really bad things, but we can just get too easily distracted. And when we get distracted with all the things that are temporal, we forget the things that are eternal, and we forget that Jesus made a way for us. And that's why the writer of Hebrews in in verse 15 says, through him then, through him then. It didn't say through you, it said through him. Now what does he mean by through him? I think in verses 8 and 12, is the reason we read all that for you. Part of the reason is because verses 8 and 12 say the him is Jesus. So the author is now referencing back to some other statements that he's made when he says through him then. I think he's also actually rewinding back to verse, excuse me, chapter 6 and chapter 10. Let's take a look at these verses real quick. Chapter 6, 19 and 20 says this. This hope we have as an anchor of the soul, a hope both sure and steadfast, and one with, which enters in within the veil where Jesus has entered as a forerunner for us, having become a high priest forever. He goes on in chapter 10 to say this, Therefore, brethren, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he inaugurated for us through the veil, that is his flesh, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with sincere hearts and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Do you see the point he's trying to make? He said Jesus is the forerunner. He already did it. 
You couldn't do it, but he did it for you. He came and actually tore the veil that separated people from God. Man, I love that song that says, you tore the veil and you made a way when you said that it is done. You tore the veil and you made a way when you said that it is done. Woo! You see why it's good to worship. It just reminds you of what Jesus already did. He already paid the price. And let me let you in on something today. When Jesus died for you and me, he didn't just die to pay the price for your sins. And I'll go tell people at Mosaic, they preach Jesus didn't die for your sins. That's not what I said. I said Jesus didn't just die to pay the price for your sins. He definitely did that, but that's not all he did. He died to tear the veil that separated people from accessing the throne room of God. He looked down and said, that's enough. No more separation. No more standing out there. No more on the outside looking in. You belong in here in the presence of God. So I'm going to come down, clothe myself with humanity. I'm going to face death, face the devil, face all the evil that the world has to throw at me. Then I'm going to defeat it so that you can always have free access back into the presence of God because that's what you were made for. That's where you belong. So this is what I'm going to do. Whatever it takes to make it possible and that's why the author tells us in chapter 10 we should come with confidence with boldness into the holy place because our access was paid for with the precious blood of Christ so if we come in here and the band starts to play a song and we think man I'm not really with that song I can't worship with that The problem is, is that we probably forgot what worship's all about, who it's for, and what it took for us to be able to get into that place and enjoy it. See, worship is not music. Did you know that? We mess up some words today. Yeah, you can clap for that. We mess up words today in our culture. We like to change things. Worship is not music. Music can be worship, but worship is not music. Now, of course, we all have our preferences. I like some songs better than others. I like some people better than others. You know what I'm saying? But listen, if you require, I must have a certain song, a certain leader, a certain genre, a certain volume level, not too loud, not too quiet. If you need anything to get into the presence of God, if I need something to get me into the presence of God, it's probably because I lost sight of what Jesus gave, what he paid to give me access to the throne room. This is important that we remember what he paid. If we're just sitting back waiting on the right scenario, waiting on the right song to hit, waiting on the right leader to take over, we miss it. And that kind of thinking doesn't make sense in the new covenant. But such is life and such is the dangers of the human heart. And we're all weak. Sometimes I'm weak. And in those moments of weakness, I'll be honest with you, I'm grateful to hear something that I like. I'm grateful for people like Ruth and Beth and Seth that led us today and others who sing some songs to help pull me in. And listen, this is one of the reasons that we come to church because we're weak people, man. We get messed up out there in the world and we need to come in here and get a help. Okay. But, but can we all just agree that if I need you to help me worship Jesus, it's my problem. I probably forgot something. So church, what I want to know today is can we commit to striving to be a people that won't forget. They won't forget what Jesus did.
A people who will always remember the price that was paid for us. So we can just walk right in. Listen, yesterday I practiced what I'm about to preach to you today. I went to my dad's house. Now, if you don't have a good dad, maybe this isn't the case for you, but I have a good daddy. And because I have a good daddy, when I go to his house, I don't have to knock on the door. I don't have to ring the doorbell. I don't have to tell him, well, sir, I came to pay you a visit because of X, Y, and Z. I don't have to bring something to get in. No, man, I walk to the back door and I just walk right in like I own the place because that's my daddy's house. That's the way that we should enter into the throne room of God. And some people say, man, that sounds a little, mm, is that what happened with Isaiah in chapter six? Well, let me tell you something. Isaiah wasn't living in the new covenant. There's a reason the new covenant is better. And one of the reasons is because Jesus made a way for us so that we could just walk right in like it's our daddy's house and like we own the place because it is. Therefore, we actually shouldn't be people that have to break in in order to worship. All we need to do is remember that Jesus, he already opened the back door, man. He tore down the veil so we could just walk right in. We remember that, then we can start to worship the God of heaven the way we were made to. Without having any kind of confusion or feeling like we got to earn a spot or if I just get this right, then I can come to church and lift my hands. Forget all of that. You'll never be right enough. But Jesus was plenty right enough to make a way for you into the throne room of heaven. How many are thankful for the access Jesus has granted you? Yeah. No need for break in worship. Just walk right in worship. But when you get in, I hope I'm not the only one who's ever found myself in a place of worship needing a breakthrough. See, breakthrough isn't the reason for worship, but it's a byproduct of worship. I'll show you where I get this from. Let's look at Acts chapter 16. It says this. But about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns of praise to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there came a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were open and everyone's chains were unfastened. See, Paul had a mission. Paul had a purpose in mind. Paul wanted to preach the good news of Jesus Christ to the ends of the earth, but he found himself in prison. How many ever found yourself in a prison of sorts? You didn't mean to get there. You didn't want to be there. You were on a mission, but now you're stuck in prison and you're confused. Maybe you thought by now you'd be free, but you're not. You thought you would accomplish more by now, but you haven't. Thought you would do more good, but you're still needing more out of other people than what you're able to do for them. You said you wanted to get more, but give more, but you kept buying things you didn't need and then you had no money left to give. Maybe you say you want to love more or want to lead more, but you're still too easily offended. Maybe you want to tell more people about Jesus, but you're still battling with too many insecurities. Maybe you want to be the person who brings peace into every place that you go, but inside you still have too much anger. Maybe you want to be a reconciler of people and relationships, but you have a place in your heart that still just won't forgive. You want to, you want to, you want to, you want to, but you can't yet because you're still in prison. See, we all get into prisons of the heart from a lot of different reasons and from a lot of different places. And I could actually take a left turn right now, spend the rest of the day preaching about why and how the wages of sin is death. But I'll spare you of that today. What I do want to do is take a a good hard look at this passage at Paul and Silas in prison because of what happened before, what happened next. And oh, by the way, this is the guy that wrote that passage that said, be thankful always. Be thankful always. He's practicing what he preached. It's good for us to remember that when we start complaining about how we can't be thankful because of something somebody did for us, 
it's good to remember how Paul acted right here in Acts 16. Now, I didn't read the verses to you before the ones on the screen, but basically what they say is, is they were beaten mercilessly and repeatedly. Paul and his crew, they were beat, beat, beat some more, and then taken into the lower regions of the prison, and then they were bound up with shackles on their feet. There were people all around them, and the Bible says that after that, after they were beaten, after they were in prison, after they had cuffs put around their ankles, after, after, after they started to praise because they knew something that we need to remember, which is that sometimes you got to praise while you're still in prison. Imagine it, beaten up, bloody, sweaty, tired, probably hungry, in pain, humiliated. Everybody's all around. And they said, you know what? We're going to praise in our prison anyway. And y'all love how the Bible includes this. I happen to believe every single word in the Bible is God-breathed and useful. So the Bible tells us this. If you could put it back up on the screen, it says that everybody was listening. Everybody was listening. Now, don't raise your hands, but how many of you have ever made a conscious choice not to praise like you know you were supposed to because somebody else was watching or listening to you? You don't want to look crazy. You don't want to embarrass yourself. So you decide, I'm just going to stay stoic and reserved. Maybe you're at work and the promotion you've been praying for and fasting for for six months you finally got. You walk out of your boss's office and you know, doggone well, you need to raise your voice and praise the God of heaven who just blessed you, but you keep it all together because you don't embarrass yourself because people are listening. Let me tell you something. King David didn't give a rip about that. When he danced his way down the street in front of all of his kingdom, he said, you think this is something I'll become even more undignified than this. And Paul, he didn't give a rip about it either. He's in prison, probably humiliated. Man, I'm a preacher of the gospel. Why am I stuck in prison? He said, I don't care. I'm going to praise you anyway. So he started to praise. And what happened next? Do you remember what happened next? A great earthquake came. The prison that they were in, there was a problem. It was sitting on top of the dirt that God had created. So when they started to praise, God got a little bit excited. And he said, oh, you think that's something? You can build this present to enslave my people. I'm going to shake the thing it's sitting on because I still own that. And as he began to shake the dirt, the whole prison began to shake. And the Bible says that every single prisoner had their shackles undone. You got to praise him while you're still in prison. God heard the praise. God responded. And not even the prison they built to keep people enslaved could keep them. Because he started shaking. And I just believe today that there's somebody in this room that's still in prison in some kind of way in your heart. And God sent me to tell you that even though it's the midnight hour, even though you've been beaten up by other people, even though you've been taken into the bottom, lower regions of a prison, and even though you've got more shackles and cuffs on than they've ever made keys to get off, if you would just start to praise me, I'll start to shake the thing that prison's sitting on, and you will go free, and so will everybody around you. There is not a prison that God wants you stuck in. Do you hear me? There's not a prison that God wants you stuck in. You you know what he wants? He wants you to quit trying to figure out how to break out of the prison on your own. He wants you to quit being so concerned about the circumstance you're in and start concerning yourself a little bit more with praising him no matter what. That's what he wants. He wants you to remember you have access, and he wants you to use it, even when your flesh doesn't want to, and that's why they call it a sacrifice of praise. If you only praise when you feel like it, if you only praise when you're up for it, if you only praise God when you're here for it, 
If you only praise God when you've got enough money, if you only praise God when everything's going your way, that is not a sacrifice of praise. Now, I said, I don't think you can worship without being thankful, but you can be thankful and still not worship because you can find yourself where you're praising God and thanking him for stuff that he did for you, but you stop praising him just for who he is. See, it's when things aren't going well that you get the opportunity to bring a sacrifice of praise. Some people talk to me and say, man, I just wish like Jesus would come back tomorrow. And I say, yeah, that would be nice. They say, why don't you think he does? I say, because there's things we can give him now we can't give him then. I say, like what? I say, like sacrifice. Right now, I can say no to sin and honor God. And it pleases him. I can't do that in eternity as far as I know. Right now, I can be in a difficult spot where everything around me says I should be feeling bad for myself and trying to fight my way out. But I say, I'm going to praise you instead. As far as I know, on the other side of eternity, that's not something I can give to God. So I'm grateful to be alive today so that I can actually sacrifice something that blesses his heart. I'm going to get back to our main passage. I'm starting to preach stuff in my notes today. But, but, but I do want to get back to this. Jesus says that we have access and we're supposed to use it. Through him, so through him, offer a sacrifice of praise. And let's just look at this right here. The fruit of lips that give thanks to his name. What's the next word? And. If you got a paper Bible, I just want you to circle the word and. If you're digital, just put a highlight, put a note, mark it in some kind of way. And the reason why is the and is very important. The and is a conjugation. Now, conjugation is a literary device that's designed to connect two words or ideas together so that they're logically equivalent to a specific purpose. That sounds a little confusing, so let me make it easier for you. This probably doesn't ever happen at your house, just in my house. But sometimes I'll be downstairs, and I'll holler upstairs, and I'll say to my amazing son Joshua sitting right here, Joshua, come down here and see me. Now, Joshua would never do what I'm about to describe. Only the other three would ever do this. But I say, come down here and see me. And then they'll say, yeah, dad, what do you want? <clears throat> I said, I would like for you to come down and see me. Well, what do you want me to come see you about? I would like for you to come down and see me. See, I know you can laugh. This doesn't happen at your house. I know what probably happens at your house is the kid comes downstairs, but he's still thinking about the video game he left behind. He's looking at you like this, but he's not hearing anything that you're saying. He just... He came down, but he's not talking to you. When I ask my son, come down and talk to me, come down and see me, you know what I'm asking him for? I'm asking him for the and. I'm asking him for the and. In a sense, it's the smallest thing I ask for, but in another sense, it's the most important thing. Come down and see me. Come down and talk to me. If you just stay up there and talk, you didn't and come down, right? If you come down and you're just somewhere else, you didn't come and talk to me. You didn't come and see me. And there's a reason that God puts words like, and I wish we could just erase that 16. Sometimes these verses that were put in by men, they drive me crazy because they make you think it's two different ideas when it's not. The Bible says through him, then let us continually offer a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of lips that give thanks to his name and do not neglect doing good and sharing for with such sacrifices, God is pleased, which brings to my third point, which is break out worship. Let me just give you another hint. When you're reading your Bible and you come across a phrase that says, and this is something with which God is pleased. 
you should stop. I hope you're in like the good habit of at least reading a chapter a day and all that. But when you're reading your Bible and you're just trying to get through the Bible reading plan so you don't get behind for tomorrow's reading, but you come across for this is the type of thing for which God is pleased, you should stop, full stop. What was that? What was that that says will please God? You got to pay attention. It's like right now, man, around Christmas time, you got to listen more closely than usual because your wife's dropping hints all along the way, the breadcrumbs, how to get back to that special present that she wants for Christmas. You got to pay attention. Well, this is a Christmas gift from God when he puts into his word. This is the kind of thing that pleases me. You want to pay attention to it. And it's, it's the and that he's looking for. Now, this is a sermon on worship. There's another great passage on worship. That I wish I could preach on, but I don't have time. But Jesus goes to the woman at the well. He says, the time's coming and is now here when the Father will seek out those who will worship him in spirit. Somebody want to finish it? Spirit and in truth. Spirit and truth. The and is important. The and is important. If you take out the and, it doesn't make sense anymore. I said I was going to preach on this, but I have to just for a second. Because, see, there's some people who will come into one environment and they'll say, man, these people just get caught up in the spirit. I can't deal with that. I need someone to just calmly speak the truth to me. Well, I have good news for you. I've come today to speak the truth to you. And, see, the truth of the matter is, is you need to get caught up in the spirit a little bit more because in the spirit, God can move you. He can move mountains. He can take you to a place you didn't know you were going to go. He can surprise you with his presence in ways that are unexpected. There's goodness to be found in the presence of God. But on the other hand, I know some of you, man, they just aren't spirit led enough for me. I'm going to need somebody to just stop, just make up a song right now on the spot. I'm going to need you to be a little more prophetically spontaneous than this. I need you to reach up to heaven and just pull a song right out of heaven and just just sing it for us right now. Because if you don't, I'm going to decide that you're not very spirit-led. It's hard. It's hard. We do that sometimes. And I'm all for getting caught up in the spirit and letting our creativity mingle with God's presence and all of that. But I just have to remind you that before the foundations of the earth, Jesus was predestined to come and put on flesh and take on the punishment of your sin to save you behind from hell that you deserve. And all of it happened before you were born. I don't know about you, but I'm glad that God wasn't just like spontaneously trying to figure out how to recover from the dumb stuff I did. Let me see what I'm going to do about this one. No, man, from the beginning. From before the beginning, he had a plan. So what makes you think that God can't, by his spirit, move on somebody three years ago to write a song that three weeks ago somebody would pick that for three services today we could sing it? I got news for you. That is spirit-led. But we're funny as people, man. We are funny, funny people. We take out the end and then we get stuck in our own little ditches and we miss what God was asking for all along. Spirit and truth. The praise of our lips and to do good. God's always calling us to open our mouths. To open our mouths and give him praise. But he's also always calling you to open your mouth and speak up for the benefit of others. You see, I believe that true worship doesn't stop in the throne room. There were some really smart guys, much smarter than me, that wrote a confession and in it they said something about The chief end of man 
is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. And while that has truth to it, my Bible also says in Romans 8 that what I'm predestined for is to be conformed into the image of God's son, who is Jesus, who last time I checked, went about doing good for everyone around him because God was with him. Let's take a look at Acts chapter 10 and 38. It says this, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power and how he went around doing good and healing all who are oppressed by the devil because God was with him. Now the word because is similar to the word and in that it inseparably ties two ideas together for better or for worse, to death, do us part, so help us God. Now maybe you don't need to do this when you're reading your Bible, but I have this little thing that I do. If you're like real young, this will go right over your head. But when I read the Bible and I come across the word because, I practice something called biblical backward masking. How many knows what back masking is? You got any old record listening people? See, when you turn the record backwards and you play it backwards, you get a hidden message, or at least that's what they say. I heard the Beatles say some crazy stuff. If you play their music backwards, sorry, Morgan. Uh, but they do. But that's the thing. You can play something backwards and the real message becomes clear. Uh, again, at least that's what they tell me. But I, I'm not going to get into the record back masking, but I do get into biblical back masking because it helps me. I'm a little slow sometimes. It helps me to understand what the Bible is saying. So, If we can, let's just read this passage backwards. I think what it's saying, this one right here, is because God was with Jesus, he set about doing good and healing all of those who are oppressed by the devil. Now, at the risk of being confusing here today and getting into too much minutia, I do want to point out one more and to you right here. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the power of the Holy Spirit and power. I can't preach that one today. We'll save it for another time, but we'll keep going. And how he went around doing good and healing all who are oppressed by the devil. I can't help it when I see the word and. I just have to pause the and, 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 and. What comes next? What came before? How do these things go together? What does God want? And you may not realize it, but right here in this passage, we get a shot across the bow of two different theological camps. Let me show you. Some people, when they read their Bibles, I think there's a verse that says, don't do this or really bad stuff will happen to you. But people still read the Bible and they put words in it that weren't in there and they take words out that were in there and they change the meaning of stuff because confirmation bias still happens even when you read the word of God. So here's what happens. Some people will read this and I'll tell you what they read. They read this. God anointed Jesus to go around and do good. Sort of true. Sort of what he did. If that's your lens, if you read this and that's what you read, then what happens is, is you'll shape your life just around doing good for other people and advocacy and things like that, which aren't a bad thing. But you might miss that the Bible says Jesus also was anointed with the Holy Spirit and with power. Man, I wish we could preach that right now, but I don't want to keep you here past 2 o'clock. All right, and with power, and he was healing all who are under the power of the devil. He was doing good and walking in power. If you want to be conformed to the image of God, there's no getting around it. You have to be conformed to this part of him, too, to be anointed with the Holy Spirit and with power and to free those who are oppressed by the devil. But you also have to do good. You have to do good. So there's another camp of people that they'll read this verse and they'll read it like this. You ready? God anointed Jesus to go around and do good, which is healing people and freeing them from the power of the devil. Have you ever heard a message where they just slip in on you like a witch is? 
The problem is, is while it may be true that healing people and freeing them from Satan's power is a good thing, the Bible actually is not using one as a definitional for the other. Here again, the and is important. Jesus went around doing good, and when we examine his life, we see him doing a whole lot more than only healing people and setting them free from Satan's power. See, Jesus was the and. He was, let me set you free from this demon, but let me hang out with you, sinner, that the Pharisees gave up on. He was, let me bring sight to you, oh blind man, but hey, tax collector that cheated everybody, go pay that stuff back if you want to hang out with me. Right? He was, let me raise your child from the dead, but I got all these hungry people. Let me give them some actual food. Jesus was and, 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 and. He was doing good and doing deliverance. So just like Jesus, we're called to bring the fruit of our lips and to keep doing good. In doing both of these things, we actually give God what pleases him. I don't want to be the kid who yells at me from upstairs. I don't want to be the kid who gives me a blank stare when he comes downstairs. I want to be the one who comes downstairs and engages in conversation. I want to be an and kind of Christian. Praises in my lips and do good to others. Who's with me? Who's with me? I'm just going to conclude this real quickly for you, and then we're going to take another moment of worship. When we talk about true worship, here's what I want you to take away. You don't have to break in anymore. Use your access. Walk into your daddy's house like you own the place. And if you find yourself still in prison, oh well, worship him no matter what. Because when you praise in prison, it'll invite the presence of God that'll free you from the prison. And finally, man, don't just camp out in the throne room for 24-7. I didn't even mean to say that. I'm not blasting a 24-7 prayer room. Those are great. But keep that going so people can come and go. Don't you just come and stay. Go to the throne room. Meet with your God. And then go out and do some good for somebody. Because if you don't, then you're missing the kind of sacrifice that pleases God. Use your access. Worship no matter what. And be compelled to do good. Because if we give him the praise of our lips and give the world around us the good of our hearts and our deeds, then we know we're giving God the kind of praise and worship that he is seeking. Come on, if you want to be an and worshiper, I want you to just stand up to your feet right now. Everybody should get up. I'm going to pray for us. And then we're going to just recommit ourselves to being an and Christian, to being an and worshiper. Praising him with our lips and doing good for others. Father, I thank you for this moment right now. I thank you, Jesus, that you have rescued us from the body of death. I thank you that you came and made a way where there seemed to be no way. I thank you that you tore the veil down that was separating us for thousands of years from the presence of God. Jesus, I'm so grateful to be in the new covenant. I didn't deserve it. I don't know why I was born when I was, but I'm grateful and thankful that you chose me for now. Lord, we come to you today and say, we, we, we don't want to just do good. We want to praise you when it's inconvenient. We, we, we don't want to just sing to you, but we want to go represent you well to the hurting people around us. We want to speak up for Christians who are incessantly persecuted by radicals. We want to speak up for minority groups in our own country that are oppressed over and over and over again. And we want to shout out that Yahweh is the most high God, that Jesus is the Messiah, that he came to save and deliver every person. All of it. All of it, Lord. If that's you, if that's in your heart, I just want you to sing with us again. For your glory, I'll do anything. And now you know what the anything means. It's the end. For your glory.
on, let's sing together. I will. I will do anything just to see you. Just to see you. To behold you as my king. To behold you as Come on, lift your voices. Say for your glory. For your glory.